You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody, here we go again. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Hopefully everybody's having a great day. It's hump day, and uh, today we are going to be talking about gear, and we're going to be doing a product review podcast. I know we did a lot of these last year where I asked the question to a handful of guys, hey, do you want to come on the podcast and talk about maybe some new products that you used? And then we talk about whether you liked them or you didn't like them. We talk about the price. And today is kind of the rebirth of that podcast series, the product review podcasts. And we're going to be talking with fellow Iowan, JJ Pugh. And he is going to talk through a variety of products that he used throughout this last year or maybe even looking to use in upcoming years he's going to talk about the likes and the dislikes of them let's see what are some of the products that we talk about merino wool uh, base layers from first light we talk about kenetrek boots we talk about some rests and man a handful of other stuff uh, a handful of other products as well so that's what today's podcast is about. We're going to do a short intro today. Uh, lone Wolf tree stands are badass. Now, here's what you need to do. You need to go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine, followed by the word fingers, no spaces. And on that website page... Enter your name and your email address, and you're going to be entered in for a giveaway, right? So do it again. If you've already done it once, do it again, and uh, this is for a new series of giveaways, all right? So lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers, that's the number nine, and what's that? what that's going to do is as soon as you sign up, you're going to receive an email, and on that email, you're going to receive a discount code, okay? Now, the discount code is 9FC50, but if you just enter in the discount code and don't enter your email address in, uh, you're not going to be entered in uh, for the giveaway, but you get $50 off of all orders over $199. So uh, that's a pretty good deal to get uh, on a, I guess you'd say on one of the best tree stands that's currently on the market, right? If you're a run and gun guy, if you like to be mobile throughout the entire season, uh, the Lone Wolf series, you know, tree stands is perfect for you and here's an opportunity to get uh i guess roughly a 20 
20, 25% discount on their products. So be sure to check them out, lonewolfhuntingproducts.com. Let's see. I think that's it. So let's get into today's product review podcast with Mr. J.J. Pugh. On the phone with me today, Mr. J.J. Pugh. How are you doing today, man? Good. How are you? I can't complain. Uh, we got about six inches of snow where I live here in Iowa today, and uh, that doesn't help me when it comes to shed hunting. But uh, where, where do you live? I'm in uh, Central Iowa, uh, Des Moines, Urbandale. Oh, did you get so? Did you get the snow today too? I did. I did. I uh, I just finished up snowblowing right before I called. Oh, nice. My neighbor uh, ended up doing uh, that for me and he does it quite a bit so chad if you're listening thank you very much for uh for plowing my driveway i appreciate it so <laughs> you got a nice neighbor that's right that's right so what do you do for a living my friend i uh work for uh wells fargo full time nice uh downtown or west des moines uh no West Des Moines, their West big Moines. campus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I used to work for Wells Fargo fresh out of college, and uh, I worked in the downtown uh, building. Man, I forget the name of the building, but anyway, um, I was – so they would send out junk mail, right, to people, and then the people who would bite on that junk mail would call in, and I would be the guy uh, who answers the phone. Oh, that, was, I bet that sounds fun. Oh, man, it was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! What do you do at Wells? I uh, work in their home mortgage department. Nice, nice. My my buddy Lance, he ended uh, he uh, quit there after like eleven or twelve years uh, working in the mortgage department, and uh, he ended, I mean he went to a different job, but he worked in the West Des Moines campus as well. So, uh, hmm. yeah. So there's that. So, but today we are going to be doing a product review podcast and uh and we're going to talk about some of the products that you've kind of switched to or have recently started using over this past hunting season and you sent me a list uh of them and you know the first question that i want to ask you in in regards to some of these um some of these products is and this is a very vague general question but when what is a reason, what are some of the reasons that you decide to change products, either um, brand or, I should say, category? You know, most of the times because something's just not working right that I already have or I need something just piques my interest. They, You know, they catch me on the commercials or Facebook advertisements or whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever grabs my interest I, I always like to buy new stuff and test it out anyways just to make sure i got all the cool new stuff i guess <laughs> so are you the guy who falls for the uh um uh, the gimmicks sometimes or, or do you put in a a lot of research into every purchase i i tend to put in a lot of research if, if it's a big item if it's like a little twenty dollar item, I might just like grab it just to check it out. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so, do you do that a lot? I mean, are you spending uh, a lot of twenty dollar purchases throughout the year, or I don't know what's the, what's the last product that you bought that was either kind of like a gimmick or a um, I don't know a twenty dollar product that. You know, it wasn't probably going to help you uh, kill a big buck, but you yeah. thought maybe you know. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just, I got twenty bucks in my pocket. I'm going to buy it anyway. Uh, the last one I picked up cheap like that it was like a like a oh, it's like a the, the like an ozone eliminator for your car, but it, it was it wasn't the scent crusher one. It was like a, an off brand one. Okay. And you just plug it in your cigarette lighter and, and it just takes the center of your car. So do you feel that it, if for $20, do you think that it worked? I do. Yeah, it actually did. Okay. 
right. If, if you let it run long enough, it, it'll take the stink out of your car. Because I know that on some of those, uh, the ones that they put in your actual vehicle, um, there are there's limitations because it's in a confined space with mm-hmm. a human in it. So th- yeah. th- it puts out such a low dosage that it, it really isn't yeah. doing too much. But I don't know. It sounds to me like it, uh, it, it at least felt like it worked for you. It, yeah, it did. It, I mean, I have one of the larger ones, too, that I plug into my truck, and that one works a lot better. It works a lot faster. Like, I'll, I'll use that one overnight, but I keep the other one in there the rest of the time. I just keep it on the whole time. Do you use a lot of uh, uh, ozone a lot as far as inside your vehicle? I, I do during the hunting season. I, I, I use, like, a bigger ozone piece just to kill everything before I go out. Gotcha. I, I run night. So. Okay. And you, you let it run overnight in your vehicle? Um, no, sometimes I'll just let it run for a few hours or I'll just, you know, unplug it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, do you use ozone in any other application, uh, other than in your vehicle? Um, every once in a while, I'll take that piece. It's portable, and I'll put some of my clothes in there if they're really stinking it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, any like an ozonics in the tree or anything like that? No, I I haven't quite bit the bullet on the ozonics in the tree yet. Gotcha. gotcha. I've, it's it, it's piqued my interest. I, I've I've wanted to check it out. You know, everybody I've talked to that uses it swears by it yeah but it just uh, i mean i've I've had pretty good luck without one but uh, i'm sure it's uh gonna be on my list here in the near near future though absolutely absolutely well let's get into this list today um let's see the first product that you have on here is it's not necessarily a brand it just says switched to merino wool for everything you know, for every hunting, so everything hunting. So what was it, uh, what was the trigger? What made you say, okay, I got to get Merino? You know, a couple guys told me about it. They use it for hunting out west, and a lot of guys said that they use it here for a base layer during whitetail season, so I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. So I bought in and got some merino wool base layers and it, it kept me warm and it even when i was sweating it didn't stink i went out west this year and it, it didn't stink at all i wore the same shirt for seven days nice but nice. uh you know it's just that in itself sold me i mean this the insulating portion of it you can layer it up and it's thin and soft to the skin. It's not like the nylon or Under Armour stuff that really like sticks to you and yeah. doesn't seem to evaporate <clears throat> moisture as well when you've got a bunch of layers on. Gotcha. So. so the products that you purchased, the Merino products that you purchased, were they a blend of part Merino, part something else, or was it 100% Merino? Hundred percent, you know. Okay, all right. Now, and did you notice uh, a difference, like instantly, the moment that you put it on and, and started to wear it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just—I don't know if I want to say cashmere, <laughs> yeah. but it was really soft, soft to my skin, and you know, it was just extremely comfortable to wear. Gotcha. Um, especially during the hot season, you know, early October, it can be pretty warm. Um, wearing that out there that there's enough of a breeze that it keeps you pretty darn cool what brand was it that you ended up purchasing uh first light first light okay so you bought first light and um was this before they went to direct to consumer so did you have to uh buy it online or did you were you able to test it out in a store somewhere i tried it on in a store just to kind of see the fitting. Um, right. And then I also compared, you know, their charts and stuff. But yeah, I tried it on the store 
Um, and I, I really liked how it felt. So I went with that. Right. Right. So but yeah, it was before you went direct consumer. Yeah. Okay. So then along with the, uh, Merino, let's see here. Um, there are some positives and negatives to it, right? So you said that the positive is it wicks away the sweat. It does a very good job of, of keeping you dry. But tell us what the what you felt that the downside of of the Merino uh, base layer was. You know, the I guess the, the downside of it is it, it isn't quite durable as like uh, a nylon or some other material that they're, they're making base layers out of. Um, but I, I mean, I, I've found that if you buy the nicer, you know, the outer layers that are nylon, that tends to help keep those merino base layers protected, and they last a lot longer. And of course, taking care of them, following the manufacturer's instructions on care, right? It's a big one, right? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, that's the big thing for me is I find myself throwing my merino base layers in with the rest of my clothes and not washing them, you know, washing them on cold and air drying like most merino wool instructions say to be washed. And I really haven't noticed too much of a, uh, a like, I haven't noticed the garment, I guess reducing its quality i have noticed it has shrunk just a little bit not too terribly much but um but that's you know me because you know in the middle of the deer hunting season i I, i'm being lazy (laughs) at that point and just trying to throw everything in one load in between hunts you know what i mean so um so then with uh so anything else i mean how's the wear and tear i mean uh any holes from that? You know, when you, you said that the uh, the durability isn't at there as much as some of the other products, did you get holes? Did it get caught? What's the reason why you say that? You know, I, did, I didn't really have much of that where it's, it's getting holes or caught. The Some of the stitching on the outside started coming down a little bit, but they, they layer up the stitching so much that it doesn't really matter. Um, it's kind of like they expect that to kind of come down a, a little bit. Um, gotcha. But I just, you know, I, I take pretty good care of it and I, I wear separate layers on the outside most of the time. Uh, I've had them catch on uh, a fence and it did rip a little bit. Um, like I had the, the merino pants, their obsidian pants. Um, they caught and, and ripped a little bit, but they have like that rip stop fabric. Right. So it only ripped a tiny bit. It's an easy patch. What about uh, socks? Do you have wool socks as well? Yes. Yeah. I went to the all Merino wool socks or as, I think there's like a 70, 30 blend, something like that. Is that, was that also uh, with first light? Yep. That and I got the Kenetrek, uh socks. They're really thick. Yeah. Mountain uh, stocks. Remember the brand or the, the model off the top of my head. Was that for whitetail season? Yeah. 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 Okay. So um that's one thing for me I noticed with, you know, the 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 body is you know, sweaty and eventually goes away after a while. But one thing that, and depending on the boots that you wear, because sometimes if it's real sloppy and I got to cross a creek to get to a tree stand location, I'll wear my muck boots, right? And those don't breathe at all. So yeah. um, Merino helps, it helps from them from getting soaked with sweat and they're, they're still kind of moist by the end of the night. But when I wear my regular boots, it, they're, they're dry and I feel like my feet stay warmer because of, uh, you know, because of the fact that the merino is dry and it's the boot is breathing, meaning the 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 moisture is leaving the sock and then leaving the boot as well, which allows me to sit a lot longer. Yep. Oh yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So. Overall, you're you're officially a merino guy now, right? Yeah, I'm completely sold on it. I, I'm 
I don't see any reason to switch to anything else anytime soon. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So let's see here. Uh, you mentioned Kenetrek socks and on your list here, you have Kenetrek boots as well. So yep. let's talk a little bit about Kenetrek boots because when it comes to Kenetrek, they are on the upper end uh, of of price. And now that I mentioned price, right? Um, I, you gotta, you gotta fill us in on something because you're not paying full retail price for some of these, uh, some of these products, right? No, no, I am not. I am very fortunate enough for, I, uh, have a part-time job at a big box, uh, hunting store. I don't know if you want me to say the name. Or yeah, not, go for but, it. Uh, I work at a uh, Bass Pro here in Altoona. Nice. Uh, part-time. And, um, it's, you know, I, I love being outside, being outdoors. So having that as a part-time job only makes sense. You know, I go in there and I can, I can help people. I can let them know what I'm doing, using all, you know, it, it's, it's a great job. I, I love working there. It's fun. Right. My buddy, uh, I have a, I have a couple of buddies who work part-time at uh, a big box store in uh, Iowa city shields. And they tell me <laughs> straight up that, Almost all of their paychecks, as it gets closer to the hunting season, goes goes <laughs> straight to the gear. So they're they're profiting zero dollars from having a part time job because they end up using that disc. They they only have the job for the discount. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty much it. If, if they they could pay me a little bit more and just pay me in gift cards, I'd be cool with that. <laughs> what's the wife? What's you got a wife? Yeah. What she what she say about that when you're you know pretty much have the part time job just for the discount? Oh, um, she, uh, she uh, puts up with it. Yeah, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should have just said no comment. Yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> no comment. That's what. I mean. That's right. That's right. All right. So, yeah. Kenetrek boots, right? Obviously, what's the, I guess what is the discount? for an employee at Bass Pro? Um, normally, like anything Redhead or like their 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 brand is uh, 45%. Oh, nice. Well, that and that's recently changed I'm with the, like the Cabela's Takeover. Yeah. But then uh, everything else besides that is 15%. So you get, you get a 15% so, discount. Yeah, and then they they have some other programs where you can go in and learn about you know all the companies that provide stuff, and you can get additional you know a, a different discount through that system. Nice that they have where you go in and actually learn more about the product itself. That they they kind of reward you for going through some training about the product. Okay, all right. So these Kenetrek boots, man, what made you decide to go to these Kenetreks? You know, I was, uh, I went on an elk hunt this year and everybody says they're kind of top of the line. And I was like, okay. And everybody says, okay, the, the biggest thing when you're going out West is, you know, you're, your clothing, your, your boots and your backpack, you know, top of the list, boots and backpack, boots and backpack. And then everything else kind of falls underneath that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get a really nice backpack and really nice boots. So I went with the can of tracks and ended up breaking them in and using them during the white tail season. Um, but this pa the past that, year, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That was amazing. Okay. So what, what kind of boots did you have before then? Uh, mucks. Muck. Okay, so you were wearing you were wearing the muck boots, uh, not breathable at all. Um, you decided, hey, uh, I need a good pair of boots for uh, to to go out west with. So you broke them in during the uh, what the two thousand and what sixteen. Yep. The two thousand and sixteen uh, deer season here in Iowa, but. Uh, so why 
Kenetrek over all the other brands that are out there, you know, and you have you have the ability to get that discount on pretty much any boot in the store, and you guys got a lot of boots in that store. Why did you just? Yeah. Why did you go with Kenetrek? You know, a lot of guys told me that they're just rugged, extremely rugged. Um, if, as long as you take care of them, they're going to take care of you. You can send them in and pay like a hundred. 120 bucks, I think, and get the soles resurfaced. Um, I, I've heard of guys having those boots for, you know, 10 plus years, you know, and getting them resold after seven or eight years and having way past that. Right. And so, I mean, I just, it was kind of a no brainer okay. for me. So what did they cost with your discount? Um, you know, off the top of my head, I can't really. So what were they retail? Don't they're, they're like five hundred dollars retail. Okay, five hundred bucks. Um, yeah, I gotcha. Okay, so with you know, you bought those boots, you broke them in. I mean, was how was the break in period? I mean, did it? Uh, I mean, obviously, whitetail hunting and going out on an elk hunt are completely different things. <laughs> um, did it take yeah. Did it take a while to break those boots in? It really didn't. I, I was surprised. I read some people said it took a lot longer to break in, but I wore them, <laughs> wore them to the office <laughs> and, you know, warm around there and warm at work at Bass Pro and hiked in them a little bit here and there. I mean, it took less than a week to break them in. Okay. Um, just them around, wearing them, gotcha. putting the uh, kind of trick wax on them too helped a lot. It makes the... Uh, fabric or the leather softer gotcha and that helps with the break-in process yeah okay yeah. all right so then on the uh your actual out west hunt i mean did they perf- perform like what you thought a-, a boot of that quality and cost would perform yes okay. yeah we were we were putting some major miles on um like the last day, I think we hiked 13 or 14 miles. Um, and, you know, we were dropping down 2,000 feet in elevation, popping back up during the day. I think we averaged 8 to 10 miles every day hiking. So, I mean, we were we were out there hoofing it quite a bit. Um, I mean, not like some of these other guys going pretty hard, but for some flatlanders rolling out to Colorado the first time, we thought we went pretty hard. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So then, you know, after that trip, and so that puts you roughly at about a year of having them and, and wearing them in that 2000, this 2017 yep. uh, season, how did, uh, I mean, how did, how did the quality in the build hold up over that first year? They held up pretty good. The, their, the tread barely wore, um, one part of the so there's a rubber outsole that surrounds the whole boot on the bottom part of it where my foot bends and creases and my toes a lot it's it's just starting to separate i mean like you might be able to stick a toothpick in it okay um it's not very much at all and i i don't think I don't know if it's just from, I don't know if I got it caught on a thorn brush or, or a rock or, you know, it could have been a whole number of different things, but it's just coming out a little bit right there. And that's right. it. And like, I was, I was pretty rough on him in Colorado. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never spent, walk- I've never spent that much money on a pair of boots before. Um, but yeah. I would think that if I paid $500 for a pair of boots, they wouldn't come apart even a little bit after a year. But maybe that's just yeah. me having high expectations for $500. <laughs> yeah. I, I I put them through hell, so I, I can't really talk too bad about them. Like I said, I, I don't know if it's just there might be a little not as much glue in that portion or maybe it's from my foot bending there beating it up or maybe i picked a rock with it i only noticed it after we got back from colorado 
and I was re-waxing it, reapplying wax to it, and I noticed a little bit on there. But that's the only spot. Everywhere else is just the same as when I bought them. Nice, nice. Okay. Now, let's see here. Let's move on to uh, the next product here. I want to talk about this. Wait a second. No, 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 no. Vapor Trail. <laughs> you don't have this yet. You want to get it. No, it's a want. It's, it's a want. It's on, okay, okay so it's on the wish list. Now, uh, the Vapor Trail Limb Driver Pro V. So this is a limb-driven drop-away rest, correct? Yep. Okay. And it says here that you currently have a QAD HD. Is that also a limb-driven rest? No, that's on the cable. Okay, on the cable. So why do you want to go from uh, cable-driven to limb-driven? Uh, the, the big reason, I bought a new bow this year. Um, my drop-away rest, it seems like I can't really get that arrow lined up perfectly with the burger hole on my riser uh, and not have that drop away slap on on my the shelf um so i'm probably i want to switch to that um that limb driver for that reason because uh, okay. it doesn't actually slap it, you know it just drops right there the other big reason is um if i do go out you know i, I probably will go out hunting out west again um it's a real easy fix in the field if if that string came out when I was out there, I would have had to go back into town and get a press and get it all set up and have somebody retie it where that, you know, that limb driver, I can just, you can just retie it yourself. You bring new string out with you, keep it with you in the field and retie it and fix it when you're out there. Gotcha. So it's not necessarily that it was, I mean, do you feel it was a QAD issue like you didn't like the brand qad or is it just no. a, a preference of cable driven over limb driven more, more of a preference switching to that newer bow it, it it had worked i had it on another bow before and it worked just fine uh, actually two other bows uh but yeah just move into that other one i think it might fit a little better with my current setup gotcha okay um so will will this be your first limb driven rest it it will be okay. um every, everything else i've had before is, is all cable driven or a whisker biscuit um so it'll be a big change okay i, I was hesitant i was hesitant to do it before because I was like, oh, I got that big old string hanging off, your, you know, another string that could just rip out, walk into the stand or whatever. But everybody else I know that has them, loves them, and they've never had it just rip out on them, walk into the stand before. So. Gotcha. I guess if you're if you're careful, I mean, it has probably just as much chance of getting caught on something that a cable-driven yeah. one would as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's see here. Uh, anything else you want to say about uh, rests? No, I, I, I think, yeah, it's just that, yeah. It's just easy to fix on the fly and it's not a timing issue. You don't need to press for it. That's, you don't, it's an easy repair in the backcountry if you ever need to do it. Or heck, even on the field. If you're sitting in the tree stand, if it rips off, you can fix it in the tree stand. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Now, the next one I want to talk about is this tight spot quiver, right? And this is a quiver that I see uh, people have, and it's way out. It can be put way out in front of the bow, as, and it can act as a stabilizer, correct? Um, that's one of the ones that I think... The one that I have, it it comes back further towards the shooter. Okay. So it it redistributes the weight a little bit, um, so you have more back end weight. Because 
I always like my bow as stable as possible so it doesn't fall away. Okay. Um, where it's just, you know, it just sits there. So it's not so actually, it actually it, it's, it's connected to the riser, but there is a, I guess an extension or something that brings it back towards which looks like the center uh, between the axles. Yep. Okay. Yep. Let's see here. So previously before buying this tight spot quiver, what kind of quivers were mm-hmm. you using? Um, I like the first one I had was like a quickie detach. Uh, the, and then I stepped it up and got a, a tree limb, like their professional ones that just like twist on with like the, the pressure and they have the rubber bushings on the two pieces that come out from the, uh, from your site, uh, which I used that for years and that was fine for, for whitetail hunting. And I always shot without a stabilizer on. Okay. So I always took the stabilizer off when I went to the tree stand, which, you know, it's not something you have to, you can do when you're out backpack hunting. You, you don't have time to take your quiver off and then shoot sometimes. Right. Right. That's something that that's something that I did this year uh, as well. Not on every hunt, but on some of my hunts, and that's probably bad. But uh, some of my hunts, I kept my quiver on, and some of my hunts, I took my quiver off. And uh, I shot my butt. I shot my button buck this year, and I ended up. Uh, I had my quiver on for that one, but the my actual buck that I shot in November, I didn't have it on so um i don't know so did you notice a difference uh the you know as soon as you put this new quiver on your bow did you notice a difference in i guess the shootability of your of your bow um yes well i noticed the the balance factor it it just it sat better in my hand it kind of leaned a little bit after the shot but when I was pulled back at full draw, everything just sat perfect. It didn't feel like it wanted to jump or it didn't feel like it wanted to lean any certain way. It it kept it uh, pretty even. Okay. And is it fairly easy to, I guess, is it fairly easy to adjust and attach to the yeah. bow and take off if you want to take it off? Yep. So you, there's just a lever if you want to take it off. Okay. You just like flip it over, pull, you can just pull it right off. Oh, nice, nice. And can you adjust it up and down as well? Yeah, you can adjust it up and down and forwards and backwards so you can make it fit your bow perfectly. Like I, I keep my quiver on my bow now. I used to have to take it off. Yeah. So I keep my quiver on my bow in my case. I don't okay. have to mess with that either. Nice. So is it is this something that you would recommend to a guy either who might be looking for a quiver? I mean, is it is it revolutionary enough to where, you know, hey, everybody needs to go out and get one of these? <laughs> I don't know about that. Just everybody has their own opinion and preference and how they like to shoot. Like most guys I know, they take their quiver off when they get to the stand. Yeah. Um, whitetail hunting. But it seems like everybody that goes out west always has their quiver smack on their bow still, you know, when they're shooting. So I'd right. say if, if you're in that situation or you like having the arrows right there in your in the tree stand where you just pop one off and throw one on for a potential follow-up shot, it, it it's uh, that's quite a – could be a positive there too. Nice. Hunting. Nice. Now, does – what was what's the retail price on this? Oh, I think that one eighty. Oh boy! I want to say I can't shoot it off the top of my yeah. It's it's not a cheap quiver. Yeah. <laughs> but it's you know it's it's pretty high up there. Maybe more like a hundred, hundred twenty. Okay. Something like that. So it's between 120 and 180. Something, something around there. I, I'd have to look it up to, to tell you for sure. Okay. So of, of some of these of some of these products that you ended up buying, 
Would you still buy them if you didn't get your discount? No. No? No. No. So no. the only reason you bought some of these products is straight because you had the discount to do it. Yes. Okay. Very much so. Okay. So let's say let's I mean, say let's say hypothetically you didn't get this discount now. After you know, yeah. starting today, no more discount. With that said, do you feel that you know you're gonna have to, you know, obviously you're gonna be paying more for a little higher quality, hypothetically anyway. Um mm-hmm. do you do you feel that uh these products all that what you've kind of talked about today um, are worth that retail price. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very. So. Now. I mean, <clears throat> with that said, then, you know, knowing that you wouldn't buy them if you had the discount, would you? I guess if you know they're 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 a good product. You got the discount initially, but now that you don't have a discount anymore, um, are you, how would you approach buying new products? Not necessarily the ones that we've covered, but I mean, would you save up a couple years or a couple months to try to get them, or would you instantly go back down to buying uh, cheaper price points? I'd probably save up. Yeah, I mean, I've got. I, I mean, I've got to stay. Uh, you had to compete. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it, a lot like the Marina wool, that guy was a big game changer. Yeah. I mean, it just makes you stay that much longer. You're that much more comfortable. It, it, en, it enhances your experience outdoors. Right. To me. Right. So that's more, what, whatever they charge for it, you know? Yeah. Okay. So the boots, the boots as well. Yeah. Especially, going out backpack hunting that's that was a big uh it, it just made the experience much more pleasurable okay all right now other than the merino and the boots was there any other products that you purchased this year that you would put in that game changer type of category that it just kind of blew you away and you were really gr- glad you uh, picked it up i, I made the switch to an 80 pound bow. I don't know if that's <laughs> like a, an actual product itself, but and I know a lot of guys are like, why the hell would you shoot an 80 pound bow? Yeah. Um, and my, I have a really long draw length. Uh, I have a 31 inch draw length. Okay. Um, so I already have a ton of power behind it, but I mean, Every little bit. I, I mean, I've heard and seen, and you know, my buddies have—they've had so many horror stories. Oh, I punched him in the shoulder, and it didn't go through. And we tracked him for 800 yards, and never found anything. And I mean, this year, if I didn't have my 80-pound bow, I probably wouldn't have shot my deer because I paddle boned it, um, and it blew through it. And it blew through the far leg too. Okay. And I, I, I don't. I think that's a game changer. I mean, it, it turns a marginal shot into, hey, you got your deer. Right. Right. And that's obviously a combination of the broadhead and arrow as well. But um, yeah. was this your first year bumping up to eighty pounds? Yeah, yeah, I, know I shot 70 every year before that. Okay. I know I hunted 80 pounds for like three years, and I noticed in that time frame that I was getting great pass-throughs. Uh, obviously, I was shooting a lot of deer inside 25 yards, so uh, even 70-pound mm-hmm. limbs, completely broadside, I, w- I would have been getting pass-throughs as well. Um, but the reason I bumped up is because of the same reason that you did. I wanted, I hit a deer, I had a marginal shot on a big buck and I, and I didn't get a pass through and I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to change something. So I went to a heavier arrow. I went up to 80 pounds. Now I, I think what I did 
when that happened is I gained the kinetic energy. I gained the momentum. Uh, I went to a heavier arrow. Uh, and so that was not a problem. However, the bow was wound so tight that it prevented me. Well, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say it prevented me. It prevented me from anything. But what I do feel is that I fatigued quicker during practice and I didn't yeah. I wasn't the kind of guy at that period of my life who was practicing you know every single day of the week so I feel that when it was time I uh, I don't know I I feel like I was losing accuracy because it took me more energy to you know, draw, hold, and shoot, and then I was shooting less. So my muscle memory was getting tired, and then I would fatigue, and then my form would go to shit, and then I was done. So after three years of that, and realizing that, you know, instead of me, you know, I had too much bow, you know what I mean? Uh, I I didn't feel I needed it. However, I kept the arrow set up, and I I dropped back down to 72 or something like that. And that's when I, that's when everything started to improve for me is when I kept the heavier arrow, but then I ended up shooting a lesser poundage as well. So, um, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear what, if you're still shooting 80 pounds in a couple of years. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it definitely, I completely agree with you. There is a lot more fatigue to it. Um, granted I, I have, uh, an elite tempo 34 and their let off on those things is ridiculous. Pretty much the highest in the industry. I think. Yeah. Like yeah. 90 some pounds. It seems like this is their let off. So it, holding it back is fine. That initial pull here once in a while, I get a pop <laughs> yeah. in my shoulder when I'm pulling back. Yeah. But, uh, no, I completely agree with you there. I, you know, I could very well end up dropping back down to the 70, pounds uh after a year or two if if i notice any real big change in my accuracy did did you notice pretty close (laughs) did you notice that um i guess for when you when you switched bumped up to 80 pounds did you notice a change in your accuracy or anything like that no after i got it all sighted in i was shooting just the same as i was before Okay. Um, I got a different release this year too, so I don't know if that helped too. But what was the release that you uh, went to? I went to uh, see. I don't know if they call it because I don't know if it's Stanislavski or Stan or Stan. Okay. Uh, but the Stan is the company, um, and I got their uh, shoot off. Okay. Uh, that's the model. It's. And it's their four finger. I like the four finger. Is that a but, back tension release? No, it's uh, it's just a thumb release. Okay. Um, but they do make back tension ones also. But yeah, it's a thumb release. But there is an insane amount of adjustability to it. Okay. Um, adjusting the the travel of the trigger, the sensitivity of it. Um, it's you can adjust it quite a bit um i'm i'm uh i'm uh, unfortunately i'm a uh, habitual puncher yeah <laughs> so and i've i've never been able to get out of that habit uh, of not punching it so i made my trigger pretty darn light to where it, it pops off pretty pretty fast pretty easily yeah um, I've never had any misfires with it or anything like that. So no misfires, no <laughs> accidental, you know, with that uh, a new sensitive no trigger. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like that. Um, but it, it's, I guess, for my style of shooting, being able to have that adjustability and and hitting it and making that arrow fly when I need to make it fly. That's. Uh, that's the difference for me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Well, um, any other products as far as uh, game changers, or um, I take it to me, I, I take it from this conversation that we've had today. You are kind of a gear freak. Yeah, I, I, I 
Is that would that be accurate? Yeah. So Yeah, this is a little bit. <laughs> so what's on yeah, what's on your site? What I mean. <laughs> what's that? What's on your site for uh for the, this upcoming year? Do you have any purchases that you're kind of looking at for this uh, upcoming year? Uh I already I bought another backpack. Um I bought a Kafaru 22 mag. They were on sale the other day. I had to pick one up. I wanted a bag I can train with and then also have a uh, a day pack and a shed hunting pack and just kind of, I think I might make it my whitetail pack too. Um, nice. That, that's, on, that's on my list right now, or was on my list. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well. I don't know if I'm be making too many other big changes. For sure. For sure. Well, I tell you what, uh, I appreciate you taking time to uh, hop on the podcast and review some products with us today. Um, and I tell you what, good luck this upcoming season uh, on your Western trip and on your whitetail side of things as well. Thanks. Thanks, man. Good luck to you, too. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to JJ for coming on the show and uh, reviewing some of that gear with us. Hopefully, uh, it brings you guys a little bit of knowledge and insight if you're considering buying uh, new products or you know, specifically the products that he reviewed, whether that's a game changer or not. Huge shout out to each and every one of you for taking time to download this podcast. I really appreciate it. Huge shout out to the partners of this podcast, Wasp, Ozonics, Exodus, Lone Wolf, Gearhead, Ripcord, and Bighorn Outfitters. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because I said so. Anyway, not too much else to say. Remember, check social media for Nine Finger Chronicles and the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, man. The Western Big Game RSS feed, I guess you could say, will be dropping very soon, uh, hopefully later this month. So if you like to listen to podcasts that revolve around big game Western hunting, you're going to love it. So it's going to be just like the whitetail, except the content's going to be Western and big game focused. So there's that. If you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good rest of the week. Thank you.